0: Hello, and welcome to Writer's Group Therapy. I'm Tom. And I'm Roshni. We're writers helping writers with whatever writing ailments you might have.
1: Whether it's related to your craft or your career, we can help.
0: Are you ready for your session?
1: The The doctors doctors are are in. in.
0: And if you like this episode and you like what you hear, make sure you check us out online at writersgrouptherapy.com. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at WG Therapy individually.
1: I'm Tom underscore Loveman on Twitter and Tom Loveman on Instagram.
0: And I'm at Roshni Lamino on Twitter and Instagram. Make sure you give us a five-star rating wherever you are listening to this podcast. So we are here in 2021. New year, new start. And... A new person to talk to. I'm so excited. <laughs> Today we have Heather Fitzgerald, who is a YA Christian fantasy author. Full disclosure, I've actually narrated some of her books, so that's how I've met Heather, and I'm so excited to actually talk to you live and in person instead of on email. Welcome, Heather. Hey, thanks so much. It's great to be here. I'm I'm excited. Yay! So, just give us a brief overview about how you got into writing, how you got into fantasy in particular. And then we'll go from there.
2: Okay. Um, well, I am a mom of four, and uh, they're all adults now. But I homeschooled most of them most of the way through, and um, it wasn't hard to get me off of uh, schoolwork if you could get me reading a book with the kiddos. And so, I'd say my biggest impetus, although I've always loved to write, and that was probably my best subject in school was creative writing in English. Um, was reading the the Chronicles of Narnia probably sounds a bit cliche (laughs) in the fantasy realm because you either read the Lord of the Rings or you read the Narnia series and you decide you want to do that too so but you know C.S. Lewis is an amazing um creator of worlds that you want to go to you know you uh listen to or you read or you listen to the audiobooks we did both in our house um uh, Narnia and the possibilities of like, you know, what if you really did open up this piece of furniture or you opened up a door or you fell down a rabbit hole or whatever. I, I prefer fantasy that's connected to, uh, the real world where it's, you know, kind of stumbled upon. So, um, that just captured me. And it was one of those things I didn't want the, the series to be over. We read all seven books, uh, multiple times and, uh, and I actually have an idea for a spin-off for the Narnia series that is tucked away for after things get a little uh, more uh, rolling, I guess, in the direction of sales and, uh, you know, just exposure to my writing um, that I hope to be able to explore that possibility. I've, I've talked to um, some publishers about it um just because of the legal aspects of it so that's still kind of something I have to explore um it's not connected in a way that would use characters or anything like that but it it's implied enough that you would know it was a kind of a spin-off from it so anyway my uh desire is to eventually write that and in the meantime I needed to uh just learn the learn the the craft and uh, so joined writing groups and uh I feel like I'm talking a long time here so you know this could be a long story. I don't want it to be the whole time how I got into it, but it,
1: it was inspired by
2: by the Chronicles of Narnia and just a desire to have more of those kind of stories in my life and my kids' lives, and uh, be able to offer that kind of <clears throat> excuse me offer that kind of thing to uh, other parents too.
1: Was it all kind of a second act kind of thing? This wasn't like your initial career goal. When did you like? When did you start writing? I guess is the question.
2: Yeah, it was just one of those things I had some time to do as a mom. I was a full-time mom. Um, I did uh, gosh, I shouldn't say that. I was also a ballet teacher, so it's kind of a weird combination. I, my kids went to a fine art school for homeschoolers of nearly a thousand kiddos. so this is a pretty big um, school uh, organized, you know um, all kinds of fine arts and, and core subjects too eventually got added so. All that to say, I had the blessing of getting to teach there at that school. So I did have somewhat of a job, but um, it was a a one-day-a-week gig. And so I had time with the kids being home, um, you know, and learning to do independent study and stuff like that where I could work on writing on my own. Um, And I didn't seriously pursue it until my oldest was graduating from high school um, and my youngest was in sixth grade. And I thought, man, you know, my oldest graduating, it's gone so quickly. What am I going to do in six years? You know, when I don't have this gig anymore as mom and teacher. <clears throat> so that was when I kind of made a goal to, by the time my youngest would graduate, which was 2016, wanted to be published. And as uh, Providence would have it, that's exactly what happened. I um, eventually met people, and in, in the writing world, as in most artistic endeavors, it's kind of a networking thing. You you uh, go to workshops and you you know, reach out and email and review things and this and that. And people, um, you meet people. And so uh, I was blessed to meet uh, an author um, who knew another author friend who was beginning her own publishing company, which was merely Farrell. and she was beginning um, Mountain Brook Inc. and that's spelled I N K. Um, because some of her books were so old, they were. She was getting the uh, copyrights back, so she was starting her own publishing company to keep those books going because they were still selling. And um, to look for some new authors. So um, I was able to meet her and present her with my baby, which was The Tethered World, which is my first book. And that came out, actually, that one and the second book came out in 2016. It was a pretty intense year of writing, to say the least. So, yeah, that's kind of the fast forward version. So then, as far as, I
0: mean, it just happened to work out that you found a publisher right away would you have kept on looking for a publisher then, or would you have considered going the self-publishing route if the meeting with Marilee hadn't happened?
2: I think self-publishing has come a long way in a short amount of time, um, thanks to um, Amazon. Um, I don't know if it's thanks if we should thank Amazon or not, <laughs> because it's kind of its own uh, monster. but I-, I think I'd be more open to it now than I was then, but there is so much that you have to know that i'm not interested in learning it's too big of a learning curve technology as you may have figured out is not like my bff so all of the different roles of um you know getting the cover art and the advertising and i mean not that you don't have to do all that to some degree yourself with a a smaller publisher but just to have that professional input and hand-holding i needed it and so i don't regret doing it at all um the way of publishing right now is if you don't have an agent, you really can't get into a big publishing house. Um, so that, there's kind of that catch-22. An agent doesn't want to look at your stuff unless you're published most of the time, unless you have the opportunity to meet some you know, at a conference or something like that. Um, but at that time of my life, I, I couldn't go to conferences. I, I had four kids at home. So you know, everybody's experience in getting from point A to point B is different. And I know some self publishers that have done great. And that is their that's their thing. You know, that's their jam is to be uh, very controlled. Uh, in all areas, they, they have the control, they've got the, the gears and they're they're moving forward. But um, I get overwhelmed with too much. So that's just not me. Yeah.
1: Your books um, have a unique um, crossover between the sci fi fantasy world and uh, a spiritual Christian kind of theme, kind of like mm-hmm. the Chronicles of Narnia. Obviously, that was a big influence on you. How, how, how did you approach that? I'm kind of interested because I've done a sci-fi story where it kind of crosses that science versus you know, metaphysical realm. Mm-hmm. How did you approach that?
2: Um, I, I guess the beauty to me of the Chronicles of Narnia is that you don't necessarily know this is a Christian story. Or that it has Christian bones about it, unless you yourself are a person of faith. I've read a lot of very trite, pushy, preachy, you know, Christian stories, maybe not always in the fantasy realm, it could be a romance or a thriller or whatever. And I, I honestly, I can't even watch Christian movies most of the time because they're just, they're B level or less, and they're just cheesy. And I, I don't like the preachiness and the everything in a neat little package. And I, I don't think that that does much for the cause. So, anyway. It was really a goal of mine to not make that um, an overt uh, part. Like, I didn't have an agenda, I guess. I wasn't trying to proselytize anybody. I wanted anyone of any faith to be able to read this, but people that are of my faith, which is Christianity, would see the bigger pictures and the bigger themes of sacrifice and things like that. Now, I would say my books have more uh, scriptural references than that are more uh, overt than uh, Chronicles of Narnia. <clears throat> but it's not a book you would feel weird giving somebody that wasn't religious um, because it's, it's kind of the backdrop. It, it, I wanted that to also to be kind of the uh, feel for the homeschooling uh, family that we were a homeschoolers. That This was our normal, was no- homeschooling. I have an autistic son. That's normal to me, having issues like that every day. So I wanted to treat those issues, which are in the book, autism and homeschooling and the Christianity as just part of what informs these characters and makes them who they are. And it's not that I have some agenda that I'm trying to preach. You know, I'm not trying to say all autism is caused by vaccines, or I'm not trying to say that um, everybody should homeschool and that's the best fit for everybody. And I'm not trying to say that... um, If you don't believe what I believe, you're not going to enjoy this book. And if you're not converted by the end of it, you know, then I haven't done my job. That's not the point. The Bible, that's what that's for. My book is strictly to honestly entertain. And if there's more from it that you can glean, then that's not something I did. That's something that God just added in there, which I am blessed to have a lot of reviews that um, reflect that and that there's those themes that are deeper. there, but, um, I wasn't setting out with some like goals, you know, five points that I wanted. Yeah. to.
1: Is that more of like a positioning it as more, you know, as a, a family friendly, uh, a book that everyone can feel comfortable about their kids reading. You know, it's got, it's a fantasy, it's got action, it's got, you know, adventure, but you know, it's going to be a good, safe read for your kids.
2: Yes. But that doesn't mean it's, um, all happy. <laughs> It's got some tragedy in it. It's got some tough stuff in it. There's death. There's death of characters that you like. There um, are themes of betrayal and themes of good versus evil. Um, There's a torture scene with the parents, Um, but it's not gratuitous. And I did write it with people being able to just read it as a family. Um, But that doesn't mean that it's not going to be a little um, like give you some questions to talk about together afterwards, which I think is good. I mean, we don't live in a bubble. So you don't have to look you know, past the news today <laughs> to see that there is a lot going on that is not uh, all a bowl of cherries. So you need to be able to talk about those things with your kids. And I think if it's um, done well in a book, uh, you can bring those subjects up. And, um, and I feel like the resolution, if you see the books through to the end of the third one, uh, there's an overarching theme of Um, God is sovereign and in control and God can use any of these situations in your life that look devastating, um, too good in your life to some degree. There's, there's good to be found in them and he can redeem those things. So, um, you know, that's, that's a deep message that's not easily just, you know, talked about at the dinner table, you know, Hey kids, just FYI. Anything bad happens, God can always turn that around. You know, I mean, that's it's just, you, you don't say that in a sentence and, and everybody grasps it, but you uh, watch it play out in people's lives unfold in the course of three stories and get to know these characters and you feel what they feel. I've had people that t- told me they threw the book across the room and things like that, but then they thanked me, you know, <laughs> in the end for being brave enough to write those painful kind of things too. So, so that's a good thing.
0: Yeah. I will say, when I was reading, and I won't go into spoilers so people can read it on their own. But I was narrating and I was tearing up. I don't know if you could hear it in my voice, but I oh. was like, okay, I gotta stop because this is making me <laughs> sad and I'm supposed I to be neutral. <laughs> but uh, I think it helped the performance. But I wanted to circle yeah. back because you mentioned you're doing the like spin-off on the Narnia series. And, and I know Narnia is probably not public domain yet, right? I know a lot of people. Oh no, just, no, no.
2: Probably, I doubt that it will be. So
0: Yeah. What kind of issues are you running into because, you know, it is owned by a different corporation is not the right word, but, you know, because it's already.
2: Yeah, it's a thing and it's it's very proprietary. Um, I want to say that uh, his stepson. um, I forget his first name. Gresham is his last name is like the estate owner. Um, I talked to a publisher from. Well, I'm gonna probably guess wrong, so I can't remember who it was, but it was at the Oregon Christian Writers Conference um, about it. And she has another author that had, I, I wouldn't say it was a similar story, but it's a similar tie in somehow to the Narnia series. Um, and they shut her down, they would not allow it. So I feel like what I plan to do, and I don't wanna, I don't wanna give away <laughs> any great secret, not that everybody's rushing out to copy my idea, but it's hard to explain other than to say that it only alludes two things that happen in a certain Narnia book. Um, but there's no mistaking that that's the reference back. Um, I'm not using people's names, but I am using a concept from that happened in one of the books to, uh, go explore other worlds. So, um, I don't know. I talking to that person and telling her my, my ideas, she couldn't give me a definitive answer at that point. So, and it's still, it's something I've begun and rewritten and things like that. So I'm still a ways away from having something that I could just present and say, you know, read this, tell me what you think, you know. In the meantime, I feel like, you know, it's kind of the uh, ultimate goal of mine is to write this. But in the meantime, I have an audience to build and books, other ideas I can, I can work on because I want that to be my very best thing. And ironically. I didn't set out to make this series, this Tethered World Chronicles, um, a Narnia type series. That was not in my mind, but I have so many reviews where people say, you know, this is the book to read after Narnia, or this is uh, like a na- modern day Narnia. And so I am so humbled and surprised every time <laughs> I see those kind of reviews. So that's been kind of a cool thing that I've managed to accomplish that in any way. I don't ever, ever. Imagine uh, feeling like I could fill uh, C.S. Lewis's shoes, and I would never even attempt that. He is miles above me in his wisdom and his education, and I'm just—I'm just a homeschool mom. <laughs> but you know, we all have our gifts, and and so I want to use this one to the best of my ability. Not ever imagining that um, even this series would have any of those comparisons in it. its it has been really shocking and and really kind of a thrill every time that happens because I don't expect it. So
1: with the kids, have, was your family always a, a big uh, fantasy, you know, book family? Did you always read books together and that kind of stuff? Did the, did the kids, have the kids read your books too?
2: Um, they have, they have read them and uh, they do not. Uh, well, I should, my oldest still reads a lot of fantasy um, of that sort, but my others do not. They like historical fiction, but you know, when mom writes a book, obviously they're going to read it. Now my husband he hardly reads anything let alone books that have gnomes and leprechauns populating <laughs> them and he has read them all and he enjoys them so much it's been really fun to see him uh, first of all look at me and go i don't even know you i did not know all this was going on inside your brain you would not look at my house or my life and think oh this person's a you know fantasy freak or a geek or anything like that i I seem pretty normal, although I'm very artsy, so that might be my one little giveaway that I have a lot of artsy flair. But um, yeah, I, I didn't geek out over things like a lot of people do, and maybe because, um, you know, I'm, I'm 51 years old, so <clears throat> when my kids were young, the internet was just starting, you know, so all of the, the fan fiction and things like that came in the middle of my um, you know, motherhood days with, with busy little kids. So I just didn't have time to get into that. Um, so anyway, uh, I think it's, it was a surprise to my husband for sure. And, and then he's just been the biggest supporter. I've been really thankful because he's an engineer. So I'm this very right brain person. (laughs) He's a very left brain person. So he could have just kind of shut me down. and was like, and be like, you know, ah, you're crazy. What is all this about? Don't be so silly. You know, but he has fully uh, embraced it. And, um, been a big fan. So I I appreciate that as well. So uh, yes and no, we read a lot of fantasy, but we read a lot of other stuff, historical fiction and um, even nonfiction stuff. We'd sit around, read it, you know, after uh, dinner at the table. But most of the fun kind of crazy things were read during school hours where my husband wasn't necessarily involved. So the Chronicles of Narnia, The Hobbit, uh, we loved uh Suzanne Collins her first series was uh, Gregor the Overlander um and and again there's another series where you've got uh, the real world and and he she she did sort of a uh, modern day Alice in Wonderland instead of a rabbit hole he goes into a manhole in New York and there's a whole another world down there you know so that was another one of our favorites um so are you mostly yeah.
1: a, a reading house or did you also watch movies and film? Oh, no, both, you... both oh, yeah, okay.
2: movies and, and, and reading. And now I almost exclusively listen to audiobooks. I just don't have as much time to read because oh. if I'm just sitting there, I figure I should be writing and not. Reading <laughs> so we, all, we all
1: think that. Yeah.
2: Yeah. But I can multitask. And so I listen to several books a week while I do other things, you know, driving around or wow. whatever. So.
1: And do you see these books going to the big screen at some point (laughs) point? do that?
2: Well, you know, every every author's secret hope, I'm sure. And I've had quite a few fans ask, you know, but I don't have a movie production team and I don't know any. So (laughs) that's totally out of my hands. And it's, you know, my publisher works with a lot of um, romance writers that um, their books and her books as well have ended up to be Hallmark movies or the up channel movies. But you can't do that kind of a thing on a low-budget movie. Uh, you can't do a fantasy thing, I should say. You know, special effects and um, yeah. all of the crazy things that in my world. It would either be done so awfully that I wouldn't want to even admit that I did it, <laughs> that I wrote that, um, or it would have to be some big production company. And I mean, I, that's a great dream, and I would certainly welcome it, but I, I don't have any personal connections or plans. So,
0: Cool. So now from the practical standpoint, just kind of talk us through, and I'm sure you said, like, even with this upcoming book, deadlines are fluid. But typically, what's the process from start to finish? How long does your publisher give you for writing a first draft? What happens mm-hmm. after you turn it in? Marketing, the blog tours, yeah. all that stuff.
2: It's been kind of uh, different with each book. So when I wrote The Tethered World, I had several years with it um, to keep going over it. I, You know, my first drafts were just awful, as most writers would say. I don't have any formal training. I just have, you know, maybe some good instincts. So um, I had the chance to polish it up before a real publisher ever took a look at it. Um, And I had just kind of started on the second book when I signed a contract with Mountain Brook Inc. And uh, all of a sudden, I had, uh, you know, two more books I needed to write. So interestingly, uh, let's see, my first book, The Tethered World came out in February, 2016. And my second book, The Flaming Sword came out in November of 2016. So, um, by the time I turned that book in, I had eight months to write the second one and get it to the, you know, editors and all of that kind of thing to begin the publishing, um, special touches, you know, at the end there that you do. Um, and my first draft of the the Flaming Sword, I want to say I sent like half of it just to get some eyeballs on it because I was unsure of myself. And uh, part of it got scrapped. So I had to start over. So I had eight months to write a whole story. Um, and I'm not an experienced writer. So it was very, very stressful. I can't remember if it was that book or the Genesis tree that we Basically, didn't have Christmas if it weren't, or we wouldn't have had Christmas if it wasn't for my two youngest daughters who decorated and took everything down after Christmas because I was on the couch trying to meet my deadline and getting about two hours of sleep a night towards the end there. (laughs) So uh, I'm not really good at like saying, okay, a thousand words a day, you know, Um, life throws crazy things at your way. And this past year in particular has been really rough, even without COVID. Uh, My mom had a stroke. Uh, last February, and um, and even before that, she'd fallen several times, and so there was just so much hospital and different things going on. That um, and she still requires full time care. She doesn't live with me, but um, I'm just kind of in charge of it. I'm the only child, so um, it's been hard to to get writing done. And I've started over several times, and so I'm just praying my way <laughs> through the end of it here, trying to be real consistent um, now that. I've got kind of a schedule for my mom and the workers and everything like that to try to get it done. So, so I'm not the best like, yeah, here's my three-step plan to writing a book. Uh, each book <laughs> been different and circumstances have been different. Um, so yeah, it's been a little like a learning curve uh, each time. I will say my, my sweet publisher, Mirrily, she actually came back and apologized to me uh, after my second book and said, I'm really sorry. I only gave you eight months. Um, as, as Mountain Brook Inc. has grown, we've got I, over 40 authors now, but I was one of the very first um, back in the day. So she was uh, giving me eight months. And um, I guess maybe a few other authors had that as well for their um, series and realized it was way too short a turnaround and really stressful. And so she, she gives everybody a minimum of a year now. And she's been gracious to move my um, deadline for this new book because of the circumstances with my mom too. So. She's been great to work with.
0: I am so impressed because a year to a screenwriter. Wow, Tom, I don't know about you, but that sounds so generous. I'm like, wow, you get a really, whole year to
1: write it. A year, yeah. That's
2: um, <laughs> wow. That's, so That's impressive if you can do <laughs> quick, quick turnaround. I remember we used to be huge uh, 24 fans, Kiefer Sutherland, mm-hmm. and that uh, the... Creative team, the writers, um, finally, the last season happened because of creative fatigue. They just couldn't keep coming up with <laughs> circumstances for this, you know, that was so crazy all the time. So, uh, yeah, I'm thankful I don't have that type of pressure. That's a whole nother realm. I've never done a screenplay, so I don't even know what that's like. But uh, I suppose there's another switch in your brain you can activate when you have to quickly, quickly do things. Um, but uh, I, I guess I'm, I'm not... Uh, Cut out for that. (laughs) Not at this point in my life, anyway. So,
0: unless your books go to movies, then maybe, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
2: And if you're you're familiar with how that works, I'm going to call you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Sounds good. And speaking of Heather, if people want to find you online, how can they do so?
2: Um, Well, I'm actually uh, on Facebook and Instagram mostly. Uh, I'm actually fasting (laughs) uh, social media this month, so I'm not really on anything right now, which is really hard to do, but. Makes me realize it's probably a good thing for me to just step back from it. Um, but I am on there. It's just I won't be very um, uh, conversational uh, until February. But you can always contact me through my website as well. So my website is heatherllfitzgerald.com. And there's uh, a way to contact me there. And you can sign up for my newsletter. And I have a free novella ebook there that you can get that's a mashup between Snow White and Queen Esther called such a time as this and uh, for such a time as this, excuse me. Um, so I'd love to, you know, contact anybody there. And my books are available anywhere online that you buy books. And my audiobooks now are all available too, thanks to you. So um, and I if if people want to get a hold of me, in fact I think I might just give my email address out. I can give a few codes for some free audiobooks. If you'd like to do that for your listeners, um, if they contact me, um, and my email address is heather at heatherllfitzgerald.com. So if you contact me there and let me know you'd like to listen to my book, and I have UK and US codes, a few that I can give out. So um you guys can email me, and I will be happy to send one along. So that's so nice
1: of you.
0: Very sweet. We'll say the first ten people, just so we don't bankrupt you, Heather. Yeah, <laughs> so I that's
2: yeah. probably about right. I don't. I'm, I'd have to look at how many I have, but it's, it's somewhere between ten and twelve. So to be safe, ten sure. that would be good. Yeah.
0: When you email her, let her know that you heard her on Writer's Group Therapy. Oh yeah, that would be awesome. <laughs> I would like to know that. Thank you so
2: much for being on the show, Heather. This was great. Well, thanks for having me. I've had a lot of fun. I hope I. Uh, gave some helpful information. There's, you know, more than one way to skin a cat. So if you're a writer, I just encourage you to keep, you know, making connections and putting your stuff out there and have thick skin. Don't be afraid of the criticism. Try to take what you can from it and do the best you can with it and uh, keep, keep plugging away. Great. Make sure you guys check
0: her out online. Check out the Tethered World Chronicles wherever you buy books and we will talk to you guys soon.